Welcome back to Comic Book Workshop. It's a podcast about the craft of making comics. I'm Jason Hammonds, and I am not an expert. I'm just trying to learn all I can from those who do it best. On this episode, I chat with cartoonist Matt Emmons. You'll know Matt's work from Dagger Dagger, the comics anthology he co-created with Al Gofa, and his brand new graphic novel, Gardener. Matt and I get real in the weeds on process, comics philosophy, managing Kickstarter projects, and, you know, all that other good shit you love. Uh, But before we get into that, let's catch up a little. Uh, A thing that's been uh, sort of catching my attention and and occupying my my brain a lot lately is um, Elsa Charitier's YouTube channel. Um, She launched this thing pretty recently, like a, a month or so ago. Um, and already has, has put up some amazing content that like swims in my, I, my head pretty consistently. Um, it's really cool stuff. Obviously Elsa, you know, is the illustrator of, gra- of, um, November, uh, the, the book with Matt Fraction and, um, you know, she's done star Wars adventures stuff. She's, she, you know, did the unbeatable or the incredible, I forget like at this point, all the Marvel, um, you know, uh, superlatives, but, uh, the, she did a wasp graphic novel that was really, really good. Um, a lot of, you know, wide ranging sort of stuff. She's an amazing illustrator. If, if, you know, somehow you don't know her work. Um, but her YouTube channel is really awesome. She does things like, you know, studying the works of, uh, comics that exist. So she's done videos on, um, David Aha's work in Hawkeye, uh, the, uh, brothers Gabriel Moon or, um, Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. Um, on Day Tripper, as well as David Mazzucchelli's work on um, Batman Year One. Uh, but she's also done, she had a video that was um, a 10-minute layout on Reservoir Dogs, which is, it's her taking a scene from Wes- Reservoir Dogs and translating it and adapting it to a page of comics, which is really fascinating to watch, honestly. it's it's It shows a lot of the sort of strengths of the comic book medium and a lot of sort of creative ways that you can handle um, tackling certain things within the medium of comics, right? Like she takes a a scene from Reservoir Dogs where, you know, a character has another character tied up to a chair and is sort of like talking and, and dancing around to this little music while he's kind of threatening him with this knife and cutting him. Um, and to, to translate something like that where so much of it is auditory in the original scene, right? Like he's dancing to the song and, and, and there's kind of a rhythm to the movements and stuff like the way that she tackles that challenge is really, really interesting to watch. And as she's, you know, doing each of these, like going through all the panels and figuring out how to handle things, she's sort of talking through her entire thought process of like, this is why I'm making this choice and this choice. Um, And she does a lot of the same things when she's studying, you know, other people's work where she will kind of thumbnail all of it out and, you know, just working like on paper with a Sharpie or whatever, kind of go through sort of the compositional elements and the layouts and, and, you know, the, the direction of the eyes and like just all these ways that, that these cartoonists are, are kind of like making the work really translate and, 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 and function really well on, on the page. So um, it's something I, I highly recommend anyone check out, whether you're a writer, uh, you know, a, an artist, uh, a colorist, letterer, whatever, like really, really amazing stuff from, you know, one of the best illustrators in comics right now. Um, and also, you know, she recently had an interview with um, Ed Brubaker, which, was fascinating to watch. I, I enjoy its work a lot. You know, I'm not like, I don't think I'm the biggest brew baker head out there. You know, I've, I've, 
you know, taken the dive into his work more recently and, and definitely really enjoyed it. I'm uh, like two thirds of the way through Reckless right now. And, and I'm really liking that book. Uh, but I really enjoyed watching her conversation with him. Um, the way that an artist interviews a writer is always fascinating to watch. You know, I, I kind of feel like I'm more of a writer first. Uh, and so I think I come at things a lot more from that sort of writer brain. Uh, and Elsa is someone who is such a master as an artist. And it's just really interesting to see sort of the, the angle at which she's approaching story um, and approaching these questions. So anyway, highly recommend that channel. I think you'll learn a lot from it. Uh, but, you know, with with that out of the way, I think it's, it's time to tell you all about my friends at Garm. Uh, Garm is the graphic artist resource management company, um, and they are providing amazing tools for digital artists to enhance their work. Um, I've talked about them before. Uh, they are amazingly useful if you use, you know, Photoshop or Procreate in your process, which I think, you know, most of us use one of those programs. Um, and they have tools that, you know, bring out sort of the, the traditional tactile nature of, uh, comics illustration and, and illustration in general. Um, and I think that, generally all of us can kind of find something to use out of it i mean i i you know don't want to prescribe what works in in your uh uh you know art or anything like that but i know that i use their tools quite often in my own work um and so i i recommend checking them out you know i, I use the rawhide kit that's my favorite kit um right now they have a spring sale going on uh which gives you up to 50 percent off on uh, select products, you know, they've, they've got the, the grow case, which is, you know, kind of a, a big book of, of inspiration, as they call it, it's sort of three different parts that give you stuff that's like, you know, got like cheese labels and US postcards and, you know, luggage tags and stuff like that. It's kind of a fun thing where you can kind of pull, you know, design cues and, and, uh, uh, you know, little kind of useful things from from all these various sources. Um, it's really, really awesome. Um, they also have, you know, the bundle, uh, the Photoshop effect bundle that includes the rawhide kit, like I've talked about, as well as the intaglio, uh, which is the engraving effect kit. Um, and that right now is uh, at a pretty sweet deal of $28. So you might want to head over uh, to garmcompany.com slash TMBC. And uh, that'll that'll get you a nice little deal on that boy. Um, and you can also check out all their other stuff like the Amalga brush set, the Pro Dots brush set um, for like stippling and stuff. They've got the Snips typeface kit. Um, you know, just amazing, amazing stuff that uh, will help all artists out there uh, try to sort of add that extra level of dimensionality to their work. So again, garmcompany.com slash TMBC. That'll get you a nice cool 20% off anything you order. And, uh, you know, it'll let, let them know that uh, this little you know, this little shop, this little bundle of joy comic book workshop is, is, yeah, it's, it's a good ship to, to back, you know, it's a good, I don't know, it's <laughs> a metaphor fell apart. Um, but you know what I'm talking about. Head on over, show them some love. Uh, and just a reminder to follow the show at TMBC Workshop or me at Jason Halftones. Uh, and you can follow Matt at second at best underscore on Twitter or second dot at dot best on Instagram. And without further ado, I'd say it's about time to get on into the interview. I'm here with Matt Emmons. He is the creator of uh, Dagger Dagger, as well as Gardener and and many other short comics, or the co-creator of Dagger. I should, you know what? I like <laughs> I, I I you think I'd like write anything down beforehand, and I don't. I never do, and sometimes I it don't gets either. me. 
But he's the creator of Gardener, the co-creator of Dagger Dagger. Uh, both were, were recently on Kickstarter, and uh, both did quite well. Uh, welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. Uh, so I I want to talk about, you know, first off, you had, you know, two uh, Kickstarters kind of back to back. And obviously, Dagger Dagger, you co-created with Al Gofa. So I'm sure that there's like, you know, a level of, you know, leaning on each other to, to make that happen. But yeah. what was it like kind of being, t- spending that much time in the Kickstarter grind? Oh, it's a lot. I I think it was just making sure I didn't launch the other one before fulfilling Dagger right. Dagger. Because that I was like I <laughs> I had a bunch of people say it's it's fine whatever, but I was like I'd feel kind of kind of gross if I'm just like yeah. hey thanks so much for buying this book. I know you don't have it. Buy another book. Sure. So it, it's it's definitely treading that line, and that was diffi- more difficult because it was not just me. Like I'd, right. I'd finish my story before the Kickstarter ended, so it's it's just keeping track of the 14 other people in that but sure sure sure. it wasn't it wasn't too too bad i i'm somehow less afraid of kickstarter than i am like mainstream or indie publishing interesting i don't know what you don't know do you have any like sort of thoughts on that is like i just don't know how to write a pitch (laughs) i can i can make the book but i don't know what the hell to say about it i'm getting better it's it's a hard thing to to learn because and especially I think at least for me the thing that trips me up is like every publisher wants a different degree of of information. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like some cuz there are some publishers like one that I, you know, have a have a decent relationship with Pitchwise and and hopefully we'll have some stuff with soon like they want almost nothing. They truly want like <laughs> the shortest amount of, of, of information so that they can help develop it. Right. They want it to sort of be yeah. what they want it to be. And they kind of are like, don't come to us with a creative team already intact. Don't come to us with like, you know, beginning, middle and end fully fleshed out. Don't come to us with like, you know, multiple scripts written. Like there is like, we want to hear the idea. And then based on that idea, we will choose to sort of like do more. And then there's other publishers that are like, yeah, the more you have intact, the better. Like, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. I, that's the thing. I have no idea who's who. I have friends who have have publishing. So I'm like, hey, what is the worst thing I could possibly do to this publisher? Because yeah. I need to not do that. So it's it's been it's been figuring that stuff out. And then at the same time, I figured, well, I'll just take it to Kickstarter for now with definitely books that I'm like, ah, this is kind of a weird. I don't know how I'm going to sell a publisher on a 200 page right slow burn sci-fi story when i'm nobody in, sure. in terms of like publishing so it's it's tricky to figure well, out but that is kind of the beauty of kickstarter to me because i into you know in today's comics market and, and i mean in like in any creative market mm-hmm. very few publishers are going to sign off on a yeah like slow burn long-term type of story from a creator who's not you know super established right especially not super established in the market in the direct market yeah and so kickstarter is kind of like the only place really for like an unestablished creator or creative team to do that kind of long-term you know long-form storytelling um which i love that's some of my favorite storytelling is like like, yeah like with Gardner, it's, you know, and I've, I've, I've read the first two issues now, and um, it is a project that I backed. And all of you listening out there, I guess by this point, it's the Kickstarter's over, but I'm sure there will be options. <laughs> there'll, yeah, there'll be a pre-order link uh, probably right where it used to be to back it. Right, right. Yeah, it's a, a, as it is with Dagger Dagger for anyone who hasn't <laughs> yes. uh, checked it out. Um, but it's one of my favorite types of stories because it's, it's, it's sort of like, you know... Um, dystopian sci-fi fantasy or not even you know i don't know maybe dystopian but like you know it's it's sort of a lived-in world you know that's kind of like 
you know, you can see some sort of like Ralph Macquarie ish, you know, kind of like visuals yeah. in it and stuff like that. But it's got very interesting, like alien creatures and whatever. Uh, uh, and I think that that kind of story is really fun. And it's a it's a type of story that to me personally works best when it has room to to run. Um, and that that's what like is my favorite thing about Kickstarter is just getting a big, you know, meaty book and like diving into a world for a while. Um you just see it so rarely in the direct market. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think Kickstarter adds kind of uh, an event to it, which mm-hmm. makes it fun. Especially for this is this is my first like long form story I've done, right? You know, Twenty pages or things, but I've it's not it's not like I was like I guess I'll try and make a two hundred page book. <laughs> I just I'm almost done, so right. I wasn't even the worry of could I do it. And I was like, that, so it, it it feels kind of rewarding to take it to Kickstarter, and I did not expect it to do how well it's done like i'm blown away right. at that response. really it's I, hey, good good fucking job man I, truly, <laughs> I mean it's it's you know you've you've uh let's see you're at as we record which four days to go so this is definitely going to change but as we record there are over uh 1100 backers and you've hit over fifty thousand on a goal of fifteen thousand. that is a hell of a success i i was hoping for i was like oh i'd be thrilled if we get like 600 backers at the end of this <laughs> like just a little bit over like something right right so i just it shattered any expectations i had and it just feels really rewarding to to yeah get to like communicate directly with people and be directly selling it even if it's it's tough to compare that to the direct market which i still don't know anything about really sure yeah. it's it's still like a fun event right right well, and to tell, so tell me about, you know, approaching this story, because, you know, like you said, the, the majority of your work, which I think today is kind of the best way to approach working in comics is to start with very short form storytelling and sort of like build yeah. up the repetition oh, yeah. Yeah. and then, you know, find your way into um, into more long form stuff. But tell me about that, about sort of the shift from and obviously like you had done, you know, two or three issues sort of before kind of compiling it into yeah. this, this large thing. But tell me about some of the challenges or like things that, that you uh, didn't necessarily expect um, and just how you shifted from, from, you know, that sort of hyper short form storytelling into this longer slow burn story. I, I'd started it. uh, Let's see. I'm trying to remember what the timeline of, I, I, I went to school for animation, but I really was not good at it, but I liked (laughs) storytelling. I liked pace. I liked storyboarding, but I, Similar to not knowing how to do pitches, I was like, I don't know how the hell to apply for these jobs. So right. I just sort of was like, comics, I like that concept. Mm-hmm. That's kind of all those things without mm-hmm. the studio oversight. So yeah. I started I started doing that, and then I would, I would get way too anxious about making like a full story. So I was like, okay, how mm-hmm. can I still make comics, but not try to make a five-issue series to pitch to some place when I don't know anything? Right. And yeah. I just... That was kind of my answer. So I I was playing with, I think I did a couple short comics Mm -hmm. and then I found out about like Resograph printing. Oh yeah. Dove into. So my first like favorite short that I did was Resograph printed. Tell me what it was. Do you go with digital? Like if you're, if you're uh, Risograph printing, how do you handle sort of like the color layout for that? Cause that's something that I haven't done and I love Risograph stuff, but like, is there a specific way that you have to color your pages in order for them to print on Risograph? Kind of, well, Risograph only has a couple, they only have a couple ink colors. So you can really only use those colors. Sure. So it depends on who you're working with, what they have. Mm-hmm. And and then you just send them like the black and white file, but you separate your colors. Has been Got how it. I've done it. So it's, okay. it's a fun way to force yourself to play with limited color, which sure. I wasn't doing before. 
Yeah, yeah. So I, I love that stuff. Yeah, I, I, I bought a Risograph printer and I barely know how to use it, but I'm hey, getting there. <laughs> Give me five years. Give me that's five years. Sick, man. I need to do some Rizzo stuff. I like it because <laughs> the look of Risograph printing is. I can't. One of my cannot beat that texture. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. Like because and that's the thing that it's so you know and I one of the the um sponsors on the show is is you know a company who provides like textures and stuff and Photoshop and Procre- Procreate and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. And, yeah. And, I love that kind of stuff. You know, I love using textures to approach that kind of tactile feeling to a page. And I like to have, you know, like different halftone stuff and whatever. But like you cannot beat the the way that Rizograph comes out. Just, Even it just looks so pretty. Scanning it after to people like, how'd you get that effect? I'm like, that's just that's the printed page. I just scanned it. I wish I had an answer for you because I you do both. Right. But I but yeah, from um so I went I went from that right. to I, I had been planning Gardner since college. I made my thesis film a rough version of that. It had not none of the, or it had maybe one. It had two characters that have been in the whole book. But I, I was like, okay, I want to make a comic. I want. I always wanted to make this big two hundred page book, but mm-hmm. that's a lot to jump into all at once. Right. So I made I made the first chapter and then just kind of sat on it because like, oh shit, okay, that was <laughs> that was expensive. Like that took a while to print and draw sure. and ink and color and letter and I'm bad at lettering. Yeah. So it would just kind of, I, I, <laughs> I get that's it. That's the only the one I could do yeah. anything but the lettering. I'm going to try to get back into it, but anything but the, which is why I'm having Bernardo letter the final sure, sure. book. So it'll look that makes nicer. Sense. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was always just like a, a matter of time and money with, uh-huh. with this, especially doing it as single issues. I don't know how the hell anybody does self-published single issues of a series you have to keep Me track either. of so much stock it is not cheap to print and your right. return isn't great anyway yeah i kind of there's a big part of me that thinks um you know i, I had matt fraction on the show recently mm-hmm. we were talking a lot about november um you know and, and and looking at like the things that brubaker and phillips are doing and even just looking at like the european yeah. comics market i kind of feel as though the graphic album, like the 80-ish page graphic album is something that will start to be really, really big oh, in yeah. the self-publishing realm. You know what I mean? Like That's where I'm headed. Now. I'm never doing another 200-page book again unless somebody is looking to pay me to do it. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. And, he, and, and serialized or not, you know, like I just think because it's 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 hard. The, the thing to me that is really difficult about the self-publishing area is like, Oftentimes what you'll get is a, you know, 30-ish page single issue that costs five or six bucks because of the expense of, of you know, short run printing. And it's like a lot of people, especially people who aren't like indie heads, right? Like people like you and I, of course, are generally going to see something like that and go, oh, I'm going to pick it up because like this is, yeah. you know, some guy that I've never heard of or like whatever. And, and I want to read it um, and support it. And we know how far those that six dollars can go often. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, at least for telling like a store that that they should keep stocking it. But like um, for your average reader, they're going to look at that and then they're going to look at, you know, like a four issue or a four dollar issue of, you know, Batman or whatever and be like, well, you know, four bucks um, and it's a known quantity. And so like that, it, it's always so tough, I feel like, to break into a casual reader with an expensive single issue. But I think, you know. For some reason, I think people would be more likely to spend, you know, nineteen dollars on an eighty-page story than they would, oh, you know, dollars. Oh, yeah, on definitely. I, I'm, I'm not somebody who usually gets single issues. I usually, I've been getting more and more into getting them, uh, especially when it's a series I know just got announced because I didn't know about all pre-orders and and all that stuff right. until more recently, last year or two. 
And right. so now I try to make a point to do that, but I wreck them. I, I just picked up um, Dead Dog's Bite and Headlopper. Oh my and God, yeah. I, I, I didn't even get into my car and I, I bent them. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I didn't even, I wasn't even looking. So it's just, that's, I don't usually get them cause I just ruin them and I'd like to yep. look at it on my shelf. So, totally. I, but I wouldn't even, I, I wouldn't even bat an eye at, at spending a little more for something like that. Cause I feel like everybody wins in that it's mm-hmm. less deadline crunches for yeah. the creative team. It's, it's, a decent price point for everyone involved for buyers right. publishers and creators so i think it it's really nice and i i want more and i'm going to try to make more yeah and i even look at what you know like dan mcdade did with um Dega. Oh, you know it's a, yeah it's a, i have to get that a 44 oh, yeah. page story and it, and of course it's got 22 pages of of like you know back mm-hmm. matter right but it's it's 15 bucks and and that in terms of like if we're talking about price per page that is more expensive than what you're getting on most even self-published yeah. single issues yeah but, but to me i'm so much more likely to buy it because it's going to sit on my shelf it's like a beautiful package you know even like as a hardcover yeah i, I was I, gonna say on top of it too right and, it, and it's a gorgeous book like truly I, I think dan did a killer job and at some point i got to bring him on the show to talk about it but um <laughs> You know, it's like I, I I think that that's kind of the future, and I'm looking down the road at like some of the stuff that I'm you know working on currently, like either, whether it's ideas I'm developing or like you know pages I'm actually drawing. I'm like, oh, that's that to me seems like the right format for self publishing because it's the right spot where like the cost for the creator and the cost for the consumer kind of meet up in the right space. You know, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly the more I keep looking at it, the more I realize that. And then I also know I have so many, so many people I didn't expect had been waiting for me to collect Gardner. So it's a perfect example right. of that like people, I, a lot of my audience, I guess, doesn't buy single issues or totally yeah. not. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm curious, you know, in terms of have you done any research on who is finding your kickstarters and who, who's supporting them i because like speaking for me personally <laughs> yeah like i i i hadn't and and i'm someone i try to like keep my you know my ear to the to the ground in terms of <laughs> yeah. like what's going on in comics and like you know who was sort of coming up and stuff and i wasn't super aware of your work before gardner to be honest like i i i saw it on kickstarter one day and was just like oh fuck this looks sick you know and then and then in doing so it was like or no sorry it was it was dagger dagger first okay yeah, right yeah. you know uh, uh, either way, I was like, oh, this is fucking dope. And like, you know, looking through it and then seeing Gardner and stuff like it. But it was through Kickstarter that I discovered you. Um, I discovered Al through um, Dark Angels of Darkness just yep. sitting on yep. a store yeah, shelf. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, but like that that type of thing. And so I find it really interesting the way that Kickstarter often serves as a comic store in itself, you know what I mean? Where you'll go to back one project and then you'll kind of see like other things that are sort of floating around there. Do you find that that's happening often or do you find like, how are you, how are people discovering your work usually? I think I built, I definitely built more of an audience than I expected. That was for Gardner through Instagram. Cause I've been working on like that concept for four years and like the book for three. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of that was retention from dagger dagger too. Sure. Yeah. Cause every, every time a creator launches a new Kickstarter, you usually Mm -hmm. get, a notification, an email or something if you yeah. backed something previous. So I think I just accidentally that worked out where everyone's <laughs> like, oh, okay, like we just right. got this book organized by this person mm-hmm. and now he has his own book. Mm-hmm. Sure, I'll check it out. And I think I really got lucky with that. Totally. Are, tell me, tell me, so so to, to dig into sort of the background of, of mm-hmm. Gardner a bit, uh, where where does the the kernel of this story kind of start? Like what what do you what are you thinking about at the time that you start working on Dagger or on 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 Gardner? Uh, sorry, 
Um, I'd been kicking it around pretty absently for, for a few years in college because I I grew up watching a bunch of 70s and 80s sci-fi and, and horror oh, yeah. movies and stuff. And sure. I love them, but my problems, I'm like, there's not enough monsters that are front and center all the time and like, or like the like the barely human people that are like pretty decent overall. Like that that didn't yeah. happen enough. But they're just for me. always kind of like floating around in the yeah. periphery, like they're yeah, background just, extras, but they're not feature players. Exactly. And I'm and I was like, what if it's just them, pretty much? And and I always wanted that kind of story, so I started doing just a bunch of random drawings of of masked people or things, especially because I wasn't confident drawing faces. Sure. Uh, four years ago, only a little bit more now. Right, but uh, I'm I'm with you. <laughs> it takes forever. Love a good uh, helmet. I, <laughs> a cool <laughs> helmet design will trump any face that I could do. So I'd been I'd been kicking a bunch of those around, and then eventually I was like, these look like they all live in the same setting. Mm-hmm. And then I just slowly piecemealed it together. It was first it was going to be post apocalyptic Earth with hardly any plants, and then I was like, hmm. I'm not smart enough to make that super unique or anything. Right. So I, then I was like, what if it's another planet? And so it just sort of snowballed into that. And then I jumped, I made this timeline and then jumped ahead a couple hundred years in the timeline. Mm-hmm. So now we're seeing a bunch of people that don't even care what planet they're on. They don't even know that there's other planets. Like it doesn't matter right. to them. Right. And all this tech is just like old high tech, ancient garbage that's failing. So I oh, think, yeah. Yeah, that that was it. It was just a slow burn <laughs> of figuring out like what to do with this. So, so in terms of you know, like you've got really um, rich, especially the costuming. You know, as we talked about the helmets and stuff like that, uh, uh, I, I find it really, really creative and imaginative. Were there any places, you know, any specific sources that you were going to to kind of like fill that inspiration well to to sort of flesh out a lot of the costuming and just the visual world that you're working with here? I wish i knew i a lot of <laughs> a lot of it uh pretty much everyone came from my sketchbook from i think 2016 to 2017 mm. where i just drew a bunch of random things and then would not look at it for months and then i'd look back and be like that kind of looks like this now and then i'd redraw it intentionally and then be like oh okay cool so i don't remember it was it was definitely like 70s stuff and and a lot of i think the guys, the the junkers that have the kind of weird yeah. hubcap, almost helmet things, Love and that it. that stuff came from uh, I can't remember what war pilot masks. Where I was like, okay, what if they were affixed, but they use sure. them for puffing gas instead of breathing at high altitudes? And right, uh, so I think some of it came from random images I'd saved, and then I just mm-hmm. sort of lost track of it. <laughs> Which I'm uh, glad. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, truly, it's it's great because it is it is it's it's one of those things where it's very reminiscent of of things that are familiar, right? Like it feels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It feels familiar. It feels, you know, comfortable in a certain way where you're like, OK, I understand this stuff. But then there's all these little elements of it that are new or fresh to it. And so then it's 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 which is something that I love is where something feels really familiar enough to make you be like, oh, yeah, I understand this. But then there's just a, a little yeah. part of it that's like, oh, wait, I didn't. That's not what I thought it was, you know. That's so Uh, good to hear. (laughs) So I want to rewind the clock and and sort Mm -hmm. of uh, uh, kind of figure out, you know, some of these some of the roots that uh, lay down in the ground to uh, to plant a Matt Emmons. Um, (laughs) So so first, I mean, I I know you're in Boston now. Is that where you grew up? Are you from originally? from Yeah, I I live 20 minutes away from where I grew up now. So, yeah, I um, born and raised like 
just a little north of Boston and went to college in Cambridge in Boston and then moved to various (laughs) cities just outside of Boston. So we're, we're here for a little while. You're a regular will hunting, aren't you? (laughs) You're a regular guy from the town. I I don't know any of the characters. I don't think I've seen either of those movies, so I wouldn't know (laughs) if you said them. (laughs) Do you have, do you have like an aversion to Boston movies as a, as a whole? I just never thought about those movies. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just glad I don't have like the thick new England Boston accent. Sure, it's, it can it be off-putting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and no offense to Boston people, I have many friends from Boston. Uh, he says is like the worst possible thing you can say about someone. Um, uh, so, so what what kind of kid were you? Were you like always sort of into like comics and genre stuff, or was that sort of a later discovery? Like, I I didn't start reading comics. I read. I think I had uh, a couple issues of Shonen Jump and The Electric Tales of Pikachu, and then I didn't touch comics till I was twenty. Till I was in college. Oh, I just didn't. I I liked them as a concept, uh-huh. but I thought it was pretty much only like Superman, Star Wars, right. superhero stuff like that. So I was like, ah, it's I want I want other stuff. And I, I think I dabbled with like the the Dark Horse Predator comics and things, but I wanted right. indie stuff. I just didn't know that existed, and I yeah was too dumb to look it up. I guess so I didn't I didn't know for a while. But so what, I, what instigated the rediscovery? Um, I still, I loved, I would find a lot of stuff that was, it turned out an adaptation. Like I didn't know Judge Dredd was a comic, which is Odd. really bad to say. Hey, I can't no, I get it. We're in America, man. But I, <laughs> I, so I saw the Sil- Sylvester Stallone movie, thought it was really cool. And yeah. then I had, cause I was, I loved eating up all those seventies, eighties, whatever. Movie. Is that, a, is that, or is that nineties? I think it's nineties, but I like that movie, if, if any all. movie feels like the eighties, it like, it's yeah, definitely it, it that one. <laughs> But Rob Schneider was in it, so that's why it's 90s. There we go. Yeah, there you go. But I, I liked – I was like, that movie was cool, but not as cool as I wanted it to be. And then sure. lo and behold, I found uh, one of the collected editions of Judge Dredd. I think it's like when he goes to the scorched earth and he, um, right. he meets that little anteater alien. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I just burned through that in a day, and I was like, comics are cool as shit. <laughs> and then I started to feel like super anxious and weird and sad as I was in school for animation. I was like, what's wrong with me? And I was like, I want to make comics. I did. I, it was making me feel weird just to read them. Oh my God. It was this weird feeling. And then when I had that like click, I was like, I can do heavy inks and stuff like that. And then I started reading Hellboy and all this stuff that I knew about, but I was like, that eh, seems cool. Whatever. Again, I'd seen the right. movie and I knew Hellboy was a comic at least, but sure. I really didn't touch anything until I was 20. Wow. That's so that's so interesting. I I and especially like Judge Dredd as an entry point is is fascinating and I think that like it makes perfect sense to me like looking at sort of your your body of work thus far this this kind of like cuz you know Judge Dredd to me if any movie feels like it should have been directed by Paul Verhoeven, you know, like the the, the <laughs> ideal version of that, like Judge Dredd to oh, me feels like a movie that, that dude should have made. Um and I and I do feel like there's a lot of shared sensibility between like Judge Dredd as a concept and, and some of the stuff that um, that you're working on, particularly with Gardner. Um, but that's interesting. So 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 you had already decided, you know, or like started to pursue animation before you sort of you know rediscovered a love for comics. What was what was the instigation for for looking to animation first? Like were there were there big like animated you know like just inspirations for you that you had been following animation wise that you were like aspiring to be like? 
I I always I always liked it. Like it was always fun. Adventure Time was really cool. I was sure. technically out of the age range when it was coming out, but I was like, I'm still gonna watch this. And then all my yeah. friends watched it quietly, and we we're all like, okay, nobody's nobody's gonna make fun of each other here. <laughs> and, and I loved like Studio Ghibli, and I I loved like staying up late. To, the Venture Brothers, I think, was actually was oh, and still yeah. is my favorite show. Yeah. And I was like. I want a show like that. Like I want to work on a show like Venture Brothers. I want to work mm-hmm. at Titmouse eventually. And right. And I was drawing way more like like regular show kind of when I went sure. into college. Like wow. cartoony, anthropomorphic animals. And I never liked it. I was like, I almost like what I'm doing. But I was mm-hmm. ready to throw it all out all the time. And sure. then when I started to switch into comics and and I'm not very tech savvy. So I was having a lot of trouble like learning Flash and – right. And uh, we didn't have Toon Boom or anything. And then I was just finding out. I was like, oh, shit. Like, I'm going to fall behind immediately. (laughs) So it it felt more enjoyable and more tactile for me to be drawing on paper. Mm -hmm. And that's not very conducive for animation anymore. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I did that thesis film with pencil and paper and I would never do it again. That's tough, man. I the literally so I, you know, I work in animation and I work with with the story team on our movie and and the only time that paper is ever busted out is if we're on a Zoom call and someone's trying to explain like the shot that they want to go for, you know, like if they're giving notes mm-hmm. on something like, you know, our, our head of story will just quickly with pen like, you know, scribble down like a thing and then show it to the camera so we can just take a screenshot and yeah. that's about the only time. Um but yeah, like it, it it's so interesting the way that it evolves and that one thing I love in this it, comics is happening the same way too. I think that people are trying to bring more traditional sensibilities back into a very digital medium, right? Like we see it all, you know, with um, a Netflix show recently that I really, really enjoyed uh, was kid cosmic where like, it's this, it's this, you know, sci-fi genre show, but it's very, very traditionally animated except for the fact that it's digital, you know, like, yeah. Oh yeah. I like, and, and it's really neat seeing that blend. Like wasn't, wasn't regular show traditionally animated. I, very close to some know. degree. Yeah. I, I think there was like, I, and I, I, I unfortunately haven't like studied enough on that show, particularly despite loving that show. I just have not looked too much <laughs> into the background, um, which is weird. I like, I, I always feel, I'll discover that particularly with animation and I don't know why, but like there's so many animated TV shows that I really love that I never once like sought out the like background material on. And I do yeah, it all yeah. the time in live action. I do it all the time with animated features, but for some reason, animated shows, I just haven't, done the research on i only do it with a few and honestly i forget it all so i (laughs) that's fair um so so what how was it a difficult decision to like kind of move away from animation and and decide to like pursue comics very seriously or was it fully just like a a switch it was was pretty easy because i i (laughs) i remember i was i was still in college for animation i wasn't going to switch because i I was like, okay, I could benefit a little more from a degree in animation than a, de- a degree in illustration. No one's going right. to say, oh, we lo- we love this picture you drew, but you just don't have the degree behind it. So right. I was like, okay, that doesn't matter. And as as I was going, I, I remember for a critique for my thesis film, one of my professors just said, this whole thing just screams how badly you want to make comics, not animation. And I was like, damn, you're right. And wow. so I, I just started making my own comic uh, – this old, old one called Home that I, I had never done. It. I'd never even used color before because wow. I didn't, I didn't think I was good enough to. I, I, so I, it was my first time using anything digitally. So I was doing. I made a forty-five page or I made a ninety-page comic, two parts of of a comic, okay. uh, 
during college while also working on my film and everything like that. And that was really what solidified it where even though I was like, okay, this is difficult and it's an added stress because I'm also still trying to do most of my schoolwork. Of course. I liked it more every time. That makes sense. It's, it's, and it, it is addictive. Like truly it's, <laughs> it, it gets to a point where you start to feel like very weird if you haven't drawn a page in a little while, you I know? Bad. Yeah. I forget. I'm like, can yeah. I, can I still pull this off? Totally. I truly, I start to feel like I'm not myself anymore. And it's funny because yeah. like, true, like, and, and, and it's a thing I've talked about on the show before, but like the thing, the biggest like arc in my creation now is not throwing away pages. I've literally spent four years like drawing and throwing away pages constantly. I never do it. No. It's it's a bad thing. And I, I did it when I started writing too. I like I had I had written three and a half ish like screenplays because I went to school for film and like my career okay, in yeah. film, obviously. Um and I would like I would write a screenplay, I would like let it sit for a bit, I'd go back and start reading it, and I'd get like four or five pages in and just delete the file. I'd just be like, no, no, can't do it. Uh uh and I I do it with comics all the time too, and it's it's bad and frustrating and I thankfully I haven't done it in um about a month now but uh <laughs> it's, it's get a little thing. calendar yeah one month since I've thrown away truly it's an addiction it's an addiction to like hate my work and decide it never should see the light of day um anyway uh uh so if we're talking about you know what you're rediscovering comics and and you know you're talking like hellboy and and judge Dredd and a lot of this stuff uh who like if you were to sort of put together like a Mount Rushmore of like creators that were really oh, inspiring you as you're starting to make comics, like who are the people that you're looking to the most? Um, it's shifted a bunch. There's there's a bunch of artists that I was really clicking with where I'm like, I can't get enough of their work, mm-hmm. but I don't have the patience or technique to I don't want to draw like that. I just want to sure. get their work and buy it every single time. Like right. Zay Brene is one of those people where I just adore he was in he did dog days in Dagger Tagger and I'm obsessed with his work, but I don't right, have the right. patience or technical skill, but I really clicked with, um, guy Davis who it's hard. Oh, yeah. I'm heartbroken that he doesn't do comics anymore, but also good right. for him doing probably better paying things. But <laughs> uh, it was, it was guy Davis. Simon Roy is who got me into sci-fi mm-hmm. comics specifically. Okay. I was like, Oh shit. He is. And still is one of my favorite contemporary sci-fi writers and creators. So right. Simon yeah, Roy, knife, Oh my God. Uh, that whole every I, my only problem with that book is that I had nothing to do with it. You know, <laughs> both both everybody involved just destroyed right. it. But yeah, true. Uh, who, and um, I didn't have the technical skill to draw like Steve Dillon, but Preacher was a big one early on to just motivate right. me because I'm like that book was a testament to you can do anything in comics. Right, you can literally kill God in comics, and <laughs> like it, it was. Uh, there's one more um um sweet tooth Jeff oh Lamar's yeah sweet tooth. oh my god i i bought that i got that on my 20 on my 20th birthday my mm-hmm. oh, just uh, from every i just asked all my family to get me a different trade of it and then i i was like thanks family and i just went upstairs and read it all and ignored them in that day i just burned through the entire thing and i was like this shit is crazy just that, that book was, is that, addictive yeah like that's you will why burn I, the fuck through it I did the, I read the whole thing in one day, ignoring yep. my family. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it's, it's so beautiful and, and sad. And uh, yeah, I just can't get enough of that book. I'm due for a reread probably coming totally. up. Same. I know I, with, with, um, I've been buying every issue of the return, but I haven't been reading it. Cause I kind of want to do like a full reread and go all yeah. the way through oh, the entire series yeah. and the return. Um, 
I find Jeff Lemire so inspiring because he is someone who has managed to keep one foot in mainstream and one foot in indie comics and not do, lose his sensibility in either one. You know what I mean? Yeah, and do both well and like never be a dick, you know? That's, totally. Yeah, like a nice guy. Always through it. Through, yeah. And because like to me, like I read Frog Catchers pretty, pretty recently and mm-hmm. I, I found that book, which again, like a great example of like, you know, sort of the graphic novella format. But um. I find that book to be so thoroughly indie in its sensibilities and it's weird reading it going. The guy who wrote and drew this has been working in mainstream comics for over a decade has been writing, you know, like Superboy and yeah, you know, shit like, and it's like, that. that's fucking cool. Yeah, like to insane. be able to yeah. do crowd pleasing popcorn, like, you know, actiony stuff and still do like a metaphysical story about like life and death, you know, like it's, it's, I don't know, really fucking cool. And also I think the thing that I find inspiring about him too is like, he has a style that shouldn't work in mainstream comics, like but, like his, yeah. his drawing style, right? But Sweet Tooth, for you know, and again, whatever indie sensibility it has, it is a very mainstream comic, mm-hmm. you know, to to a degree, right? As far as Vertigo is, yeah, but like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, but it hit with a mainstream audience. You know, it was a direct market book that was pulling mm-hmm. great success in in single issues and in in trades. And it's got a style that you would never fucking see in a Superman book. And that to me is like, is amazing. It's like, oh, you can hit big success even if you're not a draftsman, right? Yeah, that, that's what was, I think, so inspirational to me. It still is, but especially when I was getting into comics because I used, I was like, okay, but I don't want to draw like super rendered right. buff dudes all the time. I'm like, yeah, love drawing me some tight pants on dudes, but like right. just not. Those and so it was. It was really cool to see that book and just to just study it and be like, all of this works, but for all the reasons why I thought that my own work could never work, and totally. so it was just this massive like passive inspiration. Right, right. Was was so. It sounds like from from what you're saying, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like drawing was the thing that you sort of arrived to before writing. Yes. Yeah. I. I still don't even write script. I should. I still don't write scripts. Um, Interesting. I don't know how. I I get in my head about it. So I I've always been more on the art side of it than the writing side. Right. And it as I as I started to draw more, I actually got worse at figuring out how to script or or describe it just verbally. So now I've just kind of skipped over it. Where for Gardner, I only do or all all of my comics, I only do little thumbnails. I'll see if I can. Wow. Pull it up to you. So this is this is the closest to a script I oh, get yeah. for anything. So and, for for the listeners, uh, it's it's basically a composition notebook, uh, and he's yeah. just got you know like I don't know what fifteen ish pages thumbnailed on on one page. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Yeah, like sixteen or so fit per right. page. Yeah, and they're tiny. And I I'll put like a couple sentences. Like I knew for the third chapter of Gardener, there's a part where um, Lars, the main character, she stops to drink some water and the one line that carried me through for five pages was just, okay, the disciple, the, the one armed robot on the cover looks at her and says, wipe your mouth. That's it. That's the only line that I was like, that definitely happens. That's the way, like right. the, the pause. And so it's, right. it works for me. I should probably learn to do some scripts. So it, doesn't eventually not work for me i find that so fascinating i can only do scenes without a script you know like i can, mm. i am so bad at actually like doing like a, a full-blown story without a script because i have to i have to most of the time i have to know where i'm going like very closely and also just to draw panels i have to know I'm, I'm not a good artist in the sense that like i mean i'm not a good artist but like i'm not a good artist in the sense that like uh uh 
I can't just like be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna draw. I'm just gonna I'm gonna draw something and then like come out with a fully formed thing. I just I draw. I'll draw limbs and I'll draw faces and I'll draw cars or whatever. But like actually drawing like a piece is like something that I'm just not really capable of. And so I have to be sitting down and going, okay, here's my script that I wrote. I need to draw this person reacting to this thing or this, you know, someone picking up this. That Like if I know what's happening, then I can draw it. But if I don't like have something like that, have specific direction, I'm just fucking bad. And so I find it interesting people who can do it like what you're saying, uh, a long form story without, you know, like a, a specific have, direction. I have bits of that. I, I knew where it started and where it ended for sure. Mm-hmm. I added a bunch of characters I didn't expect and things like that. But sure. Yeah, for for the most part, it's I have a plan. It's like each each chapter had a specific. I'm like, I need to get to this thing, but I don't worry. Hadn't worried too much about the dialogue, and then I've also had the benefit of three years to kind of passively write it. Sure. Where I'm just in my car. I'm like, that's a good line. Let's try to remember that because I'm not going to write it down right now. And then I'm in the shower. I'm like, that's a good concept. Let's try to remember that because I can't write it down right now. Right. And I remember most of them and kept some of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's also a thing I'm jealous of is um, memory. If I don't write it down, I'm never going to fucking remember. I, I, I don't remember shit, no. Um, so so I'm I'm curious then, like, in terms of learning, like, the, the process of also just learning to draw. I mean, what have you found, you know, over the course of your, your art education, um, you know, both, you know, the self-taught elements and, and the, you know, sort of like, you know, organized learning elements? what are some of the things that have been most helpful to you, helpful to you, whether it was, you know, teachers or books or just like a certain discovery um, in unlocking kind of your artistic ability? I think it was definitely a, a teacher that pushed for life drawing because it was, mm-hmm. he was a comics and animation professor, Tim Finn. And he's, okay. I, I owe him a thank you, but he, <laughs> he was just always very no nonsense. And he's like, I get that you want to draw all the cool shit. I get you want to draw spaceships and monsters and aliens and, right cool suits and shit, but you should know how to draw first. And so he would push a lot of draw from life, draw from reference all the time. And that's Mm -hmm. how you can sort out your style. And I spent uh, a year just sitting around like in the woods, drawing trees until eventually I figured out the way I wanted to draw trees with heavy shadow and things like that. And I can see it in my sketchbooks where suddenly it's like, Oh, okay. Now I have this heavier line it's not as just like that you know that idle scratchy people do and they don't know what they're drawing but they want that's Uh gone and and replaced with with how i draw now or the earlier stages of it so i think it's definitely the don't sweat don't don't like force the style thing Mm -hmm. and that was where it because it definitely started out looking a lot more kind of like a mignola clone right but i i didn't know what i was doing anyway and i he was the perfect uh example of heavy shadows so i would look at that but then over time like my edge is smooth i don't do that much black or things like Mm -hmm. that but definitely start it's 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 an interesting phase that the sort of style discovery because it does feel as though there's like the the mimicry the imitation is the one of the most important elements in discovering your style mm-hmm. because you'll try i mean michael walsh was talking about this recently where he and mignola the same like he was very inspired by mignola and was like trying to mimic him and at a certain point like i think he said his dad like looked at his his sketchbook and was like why does no one have shoulders and he was like <laughs> he like realized that he was just doing that because it was what mignola did but he didn't have any purpose yeah. right uh and then you start to like you know be like oh like maybe I actually do want to draw shoulders or maybe, you know, like maybe I want to draw a face this way or whatever, yeah. you know, like hands, that kind of thing. 
and you start to form your style. Like there's, there's an art and I'm not going to, you know, name a name here, but like there is an artist I've been watching for a while who is a very, very clear Mignola clone. And I, and I, you know, I don't think he's embarrassed about that at all. Like I think he works yeah. on his sleeve, but I've been watching his work and waiting for him to like make that discovery into his own style. You know what I mean? I, Where it's, yeah, I can think of, there's a couple I can think of that, that are very much like that. And it's, it's cool. But then I'm also like, is it, is it cool? Cause am I associating it with Mignola or right. is it cool on its own? And I think, yeah, there's, there's, it was a huge relief for me to suddenly see like, here's where I break from. Like, I love that bean shape that Mignola yeah. does for heads, but like, I'm like, okay, here's where I step away from that. And it was really cool to look at, like, nobody says instantly Mignola anymore people more people say Guy Davis I'm like I wish but thanks <laughs> no totally it's and it's really fun because it, it and as you talk about that right like I can see I can see elements of Mignola of Davis of of Steve Dillon in in your pages but I can also see stuff that is completely separate from those things you know that that feels much more organic uh, as a discovery and combining all of those things into one single stew is like, you know, it, and that's how you yeah. get style, right? Is that you're sort of yeah, wearing your influence on your sleeve and you're, and you're trying to like mimic that. And then you just at a certain point, especially after drawing so many pages, you're just going to what you naturally are going to do stylistically. Yeah. That's the only time I think now that I end up looking at other artists to see or other artists work to see how they did things is more complex stuff. Like, uh, how was rain done in books in this, like in the, in the seventies, right. like how, how did it look in there? Cause if fig- figuring out uh, a visual interpretation of that stuff's a little trickier, but otherwise, right. yeah, I, I no longer go to my bookshelf and say, well, how did they do it? I want to do it just like them. It's, it's right. over time. Now it's literally everyone I've ever read. There's a piece of that yeah. in everything I draw now. It's really fun. So, I, I when you're when you're drawing a page, are you because you talk about you know sort of the the necessary element or the the thing that really helped was was drawing from life and and drawing from reference. Do you find yourself ever like do you are you someone who will like sort of like pose pictures or like stand in front of a mirror or something like yes. that to figure out poses? Like, <laughs> yeah. tell me about oh, yeah. how you use reference in your work. Um, I I usually try. I I like looking at for references for figures as often as I can just because every time I think I'm getting real good at anatomy I draw pretty wonky body I'm like okay (laughs) gotta (laughs) gotta look at it again and some characters like uh bug the the big creature in gardener Mm -hmm. nothing looks like that so I I gotta fudge that one a little bit and but I I I like it because it just helps make sure everything kind of stays relatively nothing's going to be perfect Mm -hmm. every time but it helps keep everything grounded and so I, I like to look at it as often as I can. I like to go, oh, okay, I've drawn rocks this way, but what do rocks look like in, in the desert versus rocks by the ocean? So th- right. they look different. And it, it happens a lot more with color now for me sure. where I'm trying to get a sense of it. But yeah. I have, uh, let's see, right now, which my girlfriend hates, even though it's not her <laughs> computer, I have, I can't count it, at least 20 tabs open Same. that I will. Yep, of just I'm like, well, I need that one corner of this image, and, and yeah, so I'm sure like you, you if you use reference like that too, you look, you're like, oh, I like that tree, um, but I like that uh, mountain range, so I'm gonna draw mm-hmm. both those things, and I'm gonna add some of my own trees, and then I'm gonna right. flip it a little bit here. So it's it's I'm Frankensteining like 30 images into one panel. Yeah. So it's, I'm, it's I'm very- forcing myself to do it because I my biggest problem and it was it was something that like I didn't know until uh, I, I've been taking a lot of drawing classes lately because I was self-taught for a very long time. And so I'm trying to unlearn bad habits, you know, and like replace them with good ones. Uh, uh, and one of my teachers was like, why aren't you using reference? And I was just sort of like, 
<laughs> you know, like I thought, I think it's cheating or like I'm too lazy. No, like, I don't yeah. know what the answer is. And he's like, just use reference. What the fuck are you, you know, like this stuff looks Dude, bad yeah. because you're not looking at anything. Um, and I was like, okay, fine. Dad. You know, like that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's you're like, no, I'm, but I'm good. I don't need reference. Like, no, nah, dude. Like, I think somebody said Frazetta never used reference. So that was people would, and I'm like, okay, definitely a lie. Yeah. That first sure. lie. Looking at those muscles, like, th- he was looking at like naked bodies for sure at Always. all times. Yeah. And there's I, no I, fucking I, way you could get that yeah. without it. And if you can, you're a genuinely a creature. Good for you, but that's not yeah. normal or human. And some people don't need it, but. If that were true, he would have to have a photographic memory. You know what I mean? Like that would be the only way that that was even possible. And even then, I don't trust like that. (laughs) Yeah, same. (laughs) Uh, So that's really interesting. I'm I'm actually wondering too. You know, if in terms of like talking about influences, what are some of your biggest influences outside of comics directly? Like you know, like where where are you pulling from that might not be a direct translation, but is living in your head often when you're when you're working on stories. I think I haven't I haven't really dug up anything too too recent. Mm-hmm. I think I'm still playing it because I haven't been doing this too long. I'm still plucking right. at all the things I wanted when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I I I went from from video games to movies, back to video games, back or into comics, and that was kind of where right. it came from. So I'm a big Fallout fan. I'm a big um, like Elder Scrolls fan, okay. but I like them less and less as they progress. Sure, because I'm like. Give me that writing I miss from that weird right. nightmare oblivion. Like that thing looks like <laughs> hell, but I, it was cooler story wise. So I, uh-huh. or, or Morrowind even, which I didn't even play, but I'm just like, man, that's the dream. Just put me in that. So I, I think I'm, I'm now just looking for a little less of like all the standard tropes mm-hmm. in things. Like I want a fantasy story that's more about goblins and orcs and, and I, every other side, like every other D and D character creature that nobody knows oh, about yeah. except for like, if you're deep into D and D, like that's <laughs> that's the kind of stories I I want. So I'm like, okay, time to give the people what I want. As I think sure. uh, was it Zainab who runs Shortbox had tweeted that out, and I was like, I words to live by. Yeah, truly. Yeah, like don't 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 go don't be pleasing anyone but yourself. Like <laughs> make the book you want to read. Um, so I I want to know about the first comic that you that you made and put out and i and specifically i want to know what lessons you learned from from making that comic i learned the the first obvious one was uh it absolutely does matter what page size you draw if you intend to print it at a specific size i okay i didn't do the math and i just had a bunch of nine by 12 bristol board and i was like yeah i'm sure that will work in a standard comic size book it doesn't it just never scales to be uh taller than it is so I, I Good point. <laughs> a migraine from stressing about that. So it has uh, insane margins. Like it's got like quarter inch margins between every panel or wow. more. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? So that was the first major one. I was like, okay, right. maybe do some math first. Sure. Uh, that and- sucks. We don't get into this to do math. Come on. <laughs> I get haven't out taken of here. a math class since high school and I don't I'm hanging to up the call. Now. Yeah. I'll see you. <laughs> So that one, and then it was it was definitely just what to be economic about. Okay, I don't need to render everything. And I didn't do it to great effect in that book, but sure. it did help me know where I was like, okay, it doesn't do me any good to over-render and color every tree and, and do shading and, and intricate shit on every single background thing. And you don't right. always need a background. 
So it was, it was that. And just helped me learn to draw a story because I'd never drawn anything. And I was, I bit off starting the, the first part of a unplanned, like eight or whatever chapter epic right. that was each one was going to be 40 something pages. Cause I really loved sure. the quarterly format of Headlopper. I was like, that's, I could totally do that on my spare time. And then yeah. I was like, I can't totally do this. <laughs> so I, there's a magic to Headlopper, and I don't know what it is, but to me, at least, more than any other comic, Headlopper makes me want to draw. You know, like when I read a Headlopper, yeah, I truly, I will read any, whenever a new issue comes out, I will read it, and I almost can't get through the issue because I'm itching to draw. Like, I'm like, I, I have to make a comic right now. Like, I don't know, and I don't know what that is. I don't know if you find that too. I, I did. Now I'm just always feel like I have to draw. So it's, it's gone, but that was a huge thing. Yeah. Picking up those, those issues. And it was really cool. Cause again, like Andrew is also from Massachusetts and oh, yeah. I, I got to meet him at mice at, at one of my favorite shows. And I geeked out. I got so nervous. I, I stumbled over my words and then came back the next day to, to get a commission from him. <laughs> and he's like, I don't remember you at all. I'm like, I hope not. Honestly, <laughs> and so that was, that was my first example of like, I didn't really have any idols or like names to faces. Like I, I was right. never going to meet the people who I was never going to meet like Christy Caracas from who made super jail or like um, right. blank Chris McCall- I'm blank on who made venture brothers, but like I, w- I wasn't really going to meet them. Mm-hmm. I did meet Christy Caracas actually, but um, there you go. <laughs> doesn't count. But um, <laughs> I, I, it was the first time to meet people that were really a huge influence on me. Right. And it's, it's not like that's a, that's more celebrity. Like if I, met michael sarah i'd be less nervous than if i met when i then when i met andrew mclean so it yeah, was it was sure. cool and he was super nice and really helpful and i hadn't made a single comic at that point and definitely talked to him for too long you know and yep so i yeah andrew mclean's work especially like helped me get the energy because it, it was just so fun it was energetic yeah. i'm like this looks like he had fun making it and mm-hmm. i'd like to do that with my own work yeah he and he, I love, I love the way that, um, and he, he's been on the show a couple times, but like the, the way that he, he evolves his style constantly. Like, yeah, Headlopper is so fascinating to me because like the first issue and the most recent issue don't look anything alike. And even like from volume to volume, his style like still evolves, which I thought it was crazy when I first saw it. I like, I, when I talked to him first, it was like, you know, at the very beginning of the second volume. Um, or maybe the very end of the first, I don't know. But, but, uh, uh, and I was like, oh, he's like settling into his style. Okay, cool. But then I'm like, you know, reading the newest issues of Headlopper and I'm like, wait, it's, he's still not settled. It's still changing. It's still evolving. Like he's just constantly, and I think it's kind of a Mignola thing where it's just like, you know, their work just keeps changing and keeps shifting and like they keep yeah. finding new things that they like. And that's fascinating because that's something that I kind of aspire to. Like I want to kind of be someone whose style never fully settles, you know? Yeah, I I love that idea. I'm I'm so nervous. I I've thought about that where I'm like I don't know if I can pull that off, but it just it's something that just happens naturally. Right. I I found um have you do you, you ink everything still or I I don't yeah. ink traditionally because I'm a terrible inker, but I do I I I, I, I will uh, uh, do like an ink stage in the computer. Yeah. I I was right. getting really burned out after a project I'd been I'd been working on um I can say it actually. It got canceled. Um, I I was working on the the new. It was a re. Sorry, I'm tripping over my words. I was working on the the re-release of the Dune game 
I was doing all the card artwork for that. And that was supposed to be, you know, a big gig for me and it yeah. fell through, but it was so stressful. And it was also in the middle of uh, doing the dagger dagger Kickstarter. So I was right. just burnt the fuck out. Yeah. And I was like, I kind of hate drawing right now, which was a bad thing to feel. And then I drew this little, I started drawing this little story with a, about a frog, just like doing a, a little right. journey. And I was like, I'm not going to ink this. And I just did straight pencils. Wow. And that changed. It's not a big stylistic change, but it just made all my work softer. And yeah. there's, you know, the difference between like your pencils and your inks. You, yep. Something gets lost. It's not always bad that it's gone, but it, they're different. Yes. There's a, there's a depth to pencils that I find hard to replicate in inks personally. Yeah. And, and that was exciting. So that was the closest I've personally come to feeling that happen. Right. But it's, it's, it, which again, I, I would have never thought of. So I, I think it's really right. fun to see other artists find that and hear that other people want to get into that. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, like, I mean, an artist that I, I've never been like a super fan of, and I know a lot of people hold him up in, in a certain regard. Um, but, but Joe Matarera, um, I actually personally prefer his work when he doesn't ink than, than I do to his inked work. And I know a lot of people really prefer his like nineties style, you know, heavy ink stuff. Um, but I find, I find there's something really interesting with certain artists where, or like, you know, Ben Caldwell will do these color commissions oftentimes that he's, he's coloring underneath just straight up pencils. And I find the, um, I guess that the texture and the shading that pencils can add, especially when colored, um, yeah. is just such a different and kind of magical effect that, that is hard to get in inks. And obviously inks have their own advantage. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like there, the, it, it can create such a different look than, than inks do. Um, so, so I, I, I want to know, and I guess let's, let's, I'm going to, it's a segment that, um, happens and also doesn't happen. And it's not really a segment, <laughs> but I like making it a segment. Sometimes we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to go into tool talk. Okay. Uh, everyone loves hearing about the tools. Um, everyone, you know, they, they, people are looking for that magical pencil or pen that's going to turn them it's into, unlock, um, yeah. Here's how to yeah. like me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and I, I definitely am the kind of person that like, you know, for all of my penciled pages, I use, uh, one of these guys, Holy I use shit. a mechanical pencil and it's wow. really bad and I should stop doing it. But legitimately <laughs> every pencil that I use is like, you know, one of the there's, fucking these or these. there's no wrong way to do it. I just couldn't imagine ever dealing with one of those again. Well, and here's the thing. These, they do not create a good line. And I think that's why I don't use my pencils. Like the way I have to ink them in the computer because it's a bad, bad line and it doesn't look good. <laughs> and so maybe I should use a real pencil sometime. Um, but like, and I kind of, you know, I have a million different, you know, fucking brush pens and microns and shit that I just sort of fuck around with and try to see if it does anything that I like. Um, you know, but I'm never, I, I haven't really ever gotten committed. Do you feel like at this point in your process, you have like a set of tools that you stick to for every page? Definitely. I, yeah, I am a, a creature of habit for sure where mm -hmm. I, I started with microns, but I have a little, a bit of a shake to my hands, which just Same. made the scratchiness that happens from microns, not so charming for what I wanted to do. And microns mm -hmm. are kind of bullshit to use heavy inking for. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wound up switching to just an actual brush and ink. Oh, and shit. I only use, I use a, a one, like a round one brush. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that means, but that's what I've used for years. Me neither. I hear you. I know what it is, but I don't know what it means. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. And then I've, I've played around with a lot of, someday maybe they'll sponsor me, um, PH Martin's Bombay Hell Black yeah. Ink. That's the one I use. I've used a bunch of other ones. They clog. They make a shitty black. 
mm-hmm. any number of combos of being bad, and that's the only one that I really <laughs> love. And then I am a, a through and through stickler for just a classic Ticonderoga number two. Wow. For everything. I was just reminded that you can get pencils that are heavier and darker because I hurt my hand really bad doing just the pencils like for that frog story. Oh, were you a heavy presser? For, for those ones, I had to to make sure it scans well. Right. And then my girlfriend was like, you know, you can just get heavier lead pencils, right? And I was like, oh, my God. You've just changed everything, and we've had them here for years. Oh my god! So I will be adding those to my my repertoire soon. But yeah, I'm pretty simple. Sure, just sure. that on, on like smooth Bristol board. Interesting. It's so funny. I like. I've only like once drawn any pages in Bristol um, on Bristol board. What I'll usually do is I'll have. Let's see. Great audio for for the. <laughs> Um, but I will, I will, I just have like a, a freaking Blick sketchbook that I will like do a page in blue pencil and then I will just take a picture of it on my phone and put it underneath a clip studio file or whatever and trace over it. Like, um, yeah, here we go. Like this one where I'll just do like a, a blue pencil page yeah, yeah. and just draw over it. Like I don't actually do any like my process is so fucking unprofessional that like it's literally just a picture from my phone like that you can like see the table in the background and I'll just sort of like you know modify it to fit into like my board on clip studio and then just you know ink over it um but it's like it's I don't know I don't know I gotta I gotta do something about my process and make it a little less fucking insane I I enjoy whatever I I like to think whatever's easier for you because I enjoy saying there's no wrong way to make them Right. Just don't hurt your back or your hands too bad. That's or your eyes. Any any yeah. of those. Just take care of yourself. That's it. Sure. I I needed the rules of it to get into it to be less afraid of it. Where right. I I have friends that that are way more loose with how they do stuff. Or people will just draw. They're like, oh, a panel's like right in here on this page, <laughs> and then I've got some over there, and then ones at my aunt's house. I'm like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> so I I just needed it all like right there on one yeah. thing. So I I draw everything on just standard computer paper just like rough it out sure two size and then i put it on a light table and transfer it so i'll put it on that's people used to be like wow you're so good it's all clean i'm like no it's because it's a mess on computer paper (laughs) so it looks nicer for me and then it it scans and cleans up a little better so are you then it sounds like you in your process you tend to get more um like that you that you do a lot more work in your pencils and then yeah. strip down the detail in your inks. I don't trust myself to straight ink any good for anyone that can do it. I'm jealous. You're very talented. I can't do that. Yeah. Right. I need the guideline of the pencils and then inking becomes a very time consuming, but um, right. more mindless. Pro- I can just kind of turn my brain off now and yeah. just follow the only lines on the page or what I'm inking. So, so, so you, sh- do you sharpen up? Like, do you, do you get your pencils basically to, to be close to identical for what your inks are? Or do you let, leave yeah. a lot of room for yourself to improvise? I don't because I, I've tried to and I botch mm. it real bad. So I, I, the only time I'll, I'll improvise with inks is if I smudged it in a sure. place that whiteout is more difficult and then I'll, I'll, or doesn't need it on the, okay. Yeah. That's what I meant yeah. to do. Sure. Add a little bit of a block shadow here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I keep it. I, I'm super loose and all over the place with actually I'll grab one. So you can see yeah, it. please. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm looking for a real, real messy one. 
Hey, we, we, we love the mess. We love, uh, uh, you know, just creating an absolute I'll grab unholy... the, the cover for guard, actually. So I keep Ooh. it super loose here oh, yeah. where I just draw whatever. And then... I... <laughs> <laughs> seeing that many seeing that dense of pencils on computer paper is so yeah. insane on just like garbage 11 by 17 but then it that. does look here's the thing it does look so fucking close to the finished cover this like one, from from what i'm seeing on the camera this one's a lot more yeah this one was a lot closer because i i didn't have wow. that was probably a bad example because hey. it wasn't as many faces or anything sure but it, it's really interesting like it's it's interesting looking at it um seeing seeing sort of what that is because there, there's so many people i was talking to um christine larson i think it'll oh, be yeah. probably on the episode before this oh, she's great yeah she's wonderful um and she was talking about how she tries to leave leave room for herself in the inks like that she she kind of like mm-hmm. leaves it loose in the pencils and and doesn't want to repeat the same line you know what i mean like too much <laughs> yeah yeah which I totally get because that that's my biggest problem with inks is I find that I, at a certain point I'm getting bored, uh, you know? And so I, like my entire thing is like trying to make my process fast so I don't get bored. <laughs> it's yeah. Really I, really I just spent, uh, four hours inking the back cover for Gardner. So I, oh my God. I, I can just idly sit here for hours. But How I, long does each page take you beginning to end? It depends on the page because obviously some are way more dense than others, right. but it's usually like an hour to three hours for a page. The covers are different because I, I did like floor to ceiling, just fill them. Sure. And I don't do this for every page because I, I like my hand and I like not and, ruining it. Sure. And you're talking yeah. one to three hours, like start to finish, like pencils, inks. Oh, no, oh God. No, I wish. Okay. That's just inks. Okay, got it, got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's it's t- I was about to be really fucking pissed. Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> it's probably probably like five to six all said got and it. done. That's still pretty fucking fast, man. Maybe. <laughs> I, I, I'm not as intricate as other people, so I, I try to be economic with it where I'm like, okay, how much do Which you I like? admire? I'm not paying myself. You know, I I don't get a page rate, so yeah, um, I am. Yeah. I am never going to try and be Def- Jeff Darrow, and I love that Jeff Darrow exists, I and know, I love I looking know. at his work. But <laughs> thrilled to love enjoying it. Never going to try to draw like that. Yeah. I will and I'll never, never be able to. I'll never be able to write a story that I could finish if I'm drawing that way. You know what I mean? Like because I'd have to draw like a. I'd have to write like a 15 page story to be able to do that in a year. You know what I mean? Like, oh my god, yeah. Just no, no form of that feels practical for how I work, and I'm just like, how the fuck do you do it? Good for him. Yeah, um, I was gonna say, thrill for him. <laughs> uh, so tell me about tell me about coloring. You know, you, you've talked about how you kind of you know had some struggles in sort of learning how to color, but tell me about your process. I I don't know. I just sort of, it was just me. I I'm entirely self taught on how to color everything, right. and I so I started. I used to put every single color that was on a page was on a separate layer, mm-hmm. and then every color had its a separate shadow color and that was on a separate layer right. and then i was walking out with you know comic pages or any any illustration i was coloring with like 30 plus layers sure and it was hell to look back at and try to remember what color was what and all this toning and shit and right. then i started flatting uh for a few different things i think i was doing some flats for like um triana farrell for oh god what was it west coast avengers and just right. some random books i was just doing flats for and Liana Kangas, who's the one who, who got me set up with doing the flats, showed me how to do it where it's like, okay, it's all just on one layer. 
yeah. but the way you do it is much easier. So it's like, holy shit. So that was a game changer for me. And then right. realizing, oh, I can use like multiply or like I can use Photoshop for Photoshop effects, which I didn't know <laughs> how to do. Sure. So it, it got a lot more streamlined after that. Right. So now it's, it's easier. I've, it, been it's getting, so, I've been oh, getting, I've been getting so, you? oh no, you're fine. Yeah, I, I was just, I, I've been getting so addicted to doing like, I'll do my flats. I'll do like a gradient map to sort of like make the flats look like they have a color scheme to them, you know, cause I'll kind of go Skittles <laughs> yeah. with my flats. Like just, <laughs> here's a skin tone, here's yeah. a tree, you know, like whatever. And then I'll put a gradient map of like, you know, purple to orange or whatever the fuck I, on oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I like, tone everything. Totally. Yeah. And so then it'll be like, okay, this has a mood to it now. And then I'll just do an adjustment layer of like brightness contrast where either I'm adding light or I'm adding darkness and just going through with the brush, brushing in the lights and shadows really quick on one layer. And then like, you know, I'll do like an effects layer on top of that. And then maybe one more gradient map to kind of like sharpen it up and put it into like, you know, kind of a, a, a more moody spot. And that's like it. I'm like really trying to just like, you know, strip it away, strip away all the detail because I fucking... (laughs) <laughs> I had a friend. <laughs> I had a friend who who's a very very talented artist. She she's um, a board artist at Disney, and like she's done some comics work as well. But I helped her out. She was on a deadline for a boom book, and I you know like needed some help on colors. And thankfully, that's a skill that I am pretty good at. Generally, I have a lot of knowledge of. But she sent me her Photoshop files for these pages, and even just for the pencils, it was like thirty layers. And I was like, how how what how are you? and like so many of them were like effects and stuff like that and none of them were named and so i was like i i don't know what i'm trying you know like just trying to figure out and parse it it and hope for the best (laughs) truly yeah and so i i just ended up like i'm like okay i i this is stressing me out so much that now i need to change my process to compensate for how stressful (laughs) it is looking at this document yeah it's just like i i'm i'm going 10 layers or less is like my goal every time i usually have like including the liner, maybe five layers. It it gets a little weird if um, the, I don't know if you've seen him. There's like a a goo guy, like a blue guy that's in Gardner. Yes. I was going to ask about that. He's, he's the only thing that makes me have more layers because he's a gigantic color. color Cause yeah, yeah, I have to either draw his body outline from my pencil line digitally or turn the inks into it. And then right. Separate. You have to start using the lasso tool to separate it out. Yeah, just shit like that. So that's the only time where I'm like, okay, I've got several layers more. But usually I try to keep it. And I'm trying to make it even simpler now Mm -hmm. where if I – if I was coloring Gardner from scratch now, it would be way more flat color. Because looking at my flats on the book, I don't even mind them. Right. I would add – so I'm I'm definitely going to be – I'm kind of comfortable with what we were talking about earlier too of of like switching up your art style and and as it develops – I think mm-hmm. my colors are going to go through more changes than my art sure. for now. And yeah. I'm really excited for that, but I can't do it in the middle of a book. Yep. That totally. one doesn't work the same way, but that's, well, and that's, that's kind of, that's one of the reasons why I've thrown away so many pages is I'll do a page a certain way. And then the next page, like not only the colors, but the pencils, the inks, whatever. And I'm like, there's no fucking consistency here. Like these look like two pages from two completely different books. You know, I've, I've like taken four stabs at this football comic that I've been wanting to do forever. And like each time I do it, no page looks like it comes from the same book. I'm like starting to nail down on it, but man, um, I, I find that looks closer than you think. It Probably. might it might be you just yeah fighting yourself, but yeah. Here's the thing: I'm insanely insecure <laughs> creatively, and that's the biggest problem here. And so I, I'm, I'm dealing with it. I am. T- I'm terrified that like the majority of the book that people are seeing are two, three years old, right. and people are still like, "I really like it." I'm like, "Okay, good." I, uh-huh. 
like <laughs> my favorite my favorite parts are i haven't colored them yet so it's like yep just wait if you like that but when i tell you a book that i wrote so we're i'm i'm getting down to the the time now where i'm about to finally um start a kickstarter and it's it's for a book that i wrote and, and a different artist drew and like he's gone through a whole evolution since he started drawing it like three or four years ago right like because it's kind of like in his spare time we're co-creators on the book mm-hmm. um and so it's taken a while but like it's it's interesting seeing how he's evolved and there's a few pages that he decided to redraw like I've, i would never tell anyone to redraw a page ever mm-hmm. um yeah because that sucks i'll like i'll adapt <laughs> my script please do not spend another fucking day you know like um uh but it's interesting because now like at the time i would have been like hell yeah i fucking love this like i i wrote such a good script like this is dope like and now i'm looking at it i'm like shit like i hope that this is not the worst thing ever (laughs) for anyone to read and that like everyone's not looking at this going man he's really holding his artist back with with this you know like (laughs) and i'm leaving a lot of room in the script but like just in terms of like this story like i you know, if I'm going into issue two after this, like it is a completely different issue two than I would have written three years ago. Um, but that's that's probably again your lens looking at it. I yeah. I would have changed a bunch of things about, and I still did. Gardner, what I had I banged it all out three years ago it would mm-hmm. be a very different story than it is now. Right. Uh, whole, whole characters were not in it and things, so it changes over right. time, and it it's nice when you can tuck it in. But it's it's. I, I think we, as the people that made it, are so close to it that we see yeah. all the little problems where... Totally. Are, are you upset with yourself for uh, <laughs> designing Goo Man the way you did? Because that... No, no. Because I, <laughs> I don't know how else I would have done it. It's just, I, I look at that and not only am I like, do I feel um, anxious for you in the coloring process, but also <laughs> just the drawing process. That is a tough... Like, He's not that hard to draw. I did take a bunch of organs out that used to sure. be in there. <laughs> I I did a he was the first character for Gardner that I actually did a story about, which is it's going to be added back in preserves that little uh it's, it was a seven page short about him and the the pink skinless dude Jacob. Oh yeah. Okay. And and in in that short he has a heart that shows he has several intestines and like a, a liver and things and then I was like fuck that so he's just got the lungs and like some intestine. So I got super loose with him right. Uh, right away in that book. So he's not that bad to draw. I just need to Google human skeleton and, and it's kind of easier. I guess but, I always think about things yeah. that are difficult. And the answer is like 90% of the time, it's not difficult if you just pull reference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the one that was easy. And, and then the, the also intentional thing, I was like, okay, his face is going to be like borderline too simple. Just, just yeah, just two dots yeah, and a smile. <laughs> He's basically a smiley face with a jawline. Like, right. That's so it was. And, and I, I used to stress about, did that make sense in the, in the book? But I'm also like, there's a skinless guy. Like that doesn't make sense. And I would look at, uh, the in call from Mobius at, um, how there's a dog headed man and how, uh, John DeFool, the main character looks different sometimes. And there's a cartoon cement seagull, you know? Right. So I, I, I was like, as soon as you don't get self-conscious about, how weird everything looks sure it's nobody nobody's ever once said those don't mix so they mix that is the thing about comics and again it's the it's the fucking beauty of comics is that like comics can be anything you know and like there's certain audiences that might not want that thing but ultimately there's nothing that you can put on a comics page that that doesn't belong there yeah and and it's it's the only medium where like you can as long as you can draw it in a cool way, it looks cool. Like, I don't, right. I don't know how the hell people have asked me if they're like, Oh, would you ever want to adapt 
this to like live action or something, if if somebody asks, I'm like, honestly, no, because how the fuck would you make Bug? Totally. Like, how yeah. how is that guy gonna look like anything that's not just bad CGI? Or totally. Goo- good luck making Goo Man. Like, give me a real suit of Goo Man, and then we can do it. Yeah, I want a real see-through man (laughs) and that's the thing i i kind of i aspire my biggest aspiration uh in comics is to make something that is going to if if anyone ever were to try and adapt it would give them huge fucking headaches (laughs) you know i want to make it hard (laughs) i think we have the same mindset of we're making comics not to get into other things what i would love to do design work or, or script it or whatever for, for right. feature film, things like that. But this, yeah, I'm never making a comic to go, Oh, here's my soft pitch for a screenplay. Like, yep. uh, that's not what I, I love about them. Totally. And I, I'm in this weird thing and I, it's, it's something I worry about. Sometimes I worry that people will view me that way because I work in TV and film, like because my day job is in TV and film. I feel like people <laughs> are going to think that my comics are going to be, you know, like soft pitches or like a screenplay that I turned into a comic, which legitimately has never happened. Yeah. The only time it's ever happened is in reverse where I've turned a comic into a screenplay to use as a writing sample. Like, to be like, <laughs> well, I have this story that I love, so I could probably, I could try and adapt it. And like, you know, it, I'm using it as a sample, so it doesn't matter how adaptable it is necessarily as long as it feels adaptable, right? Like, <laughs> I, I think it it shows, you you know the ones Right, that are yeah. that are that and usually like you probably don't start your sentences about the comic saying hey i'm a screenwriter here's a comic that i wrote uh did i mention i'm a screenwriter here's what i wrote for screenwriting and then you don't mention the artist or yeah. or if you did the art it's less so it's yeah. I, I think you I, know i the, here's <laughs> the thing that i have the biggest fucking problem with like there's only rare examples where i would i would be okay with this is seeing a creator-owned comic that says created by and then the writer's name and then art by the artist's name. And it bugs me even more when the artist's name is smaller. I just, it, <sighs> yeah, as a comic, yeah, uh, not good. Like there, there are fantastic comics writers. I would love to work with, with some mm-hmm. on certain things, but you do need an artist. Yes. <laughs> so it's, that is, well, let me I, tell I, you, I, yeah. <laughs> Let me tell everyone a secret out there. I, I So I have two comics that I've written, or like two longer form comics that I've written for other artists. I have a few short things I've written for other artists. But I have only ever written a script and then taken it to that artist. But you know what? Both of those artists are credited as co-creators and will always be. And the book happens at their fucking pace. And that is what it is because that is the fucking agreement. Like to, to write a script and say that you created a comic is insane. It's insane. Yeah, especially when you are having somebody either for hire or not paid to do it, do all the character designing, do all the world building visually. And like, you can tell me how cool this astronaut is, but it's like, I got to do it. Mm -hmm. Unless, unless, like, thank you if you said, I do, I have, I worked with uh, Michael Conrad on a pitch that never saw the light of day. Love him to death. And he sent, he was so, so specific with, he was like, oh, I'm thinking this character looks kind of like this, but it wasn't this like it needs to. It was like, here's some guidelines for you. I'm like, that shit is all I ask. Just don't say uh, make it cool. Make it pop. I'm like, I don't know what that what is that to you? Cool to me is is not cool to everyone else. So it's yeah. a, yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it drives me so insane, man. There's an artist I really, really love and I think will be a huge like force, you know, for years to come. But I was in a comic store out here in L.A. once and I saw a book that he worked on and it had writer's name, big letters up top, title, big letters up top, 
Bottom right corner, tiny letters, art by. Like My God, who can you say, can you say who it was or no? Uh, we can we can do it not on recording. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll tell you later. It's it's okay. Yeah, I'm always, I always like to know, but yeah, I it's it's so easy to just credit that it's not it doesn't discount that you wrote it. It no. doesn't. I don't. And that's that's those are the kind of writers that are a little more like a little overconfident that they're they're the thing it's about and it's like man it's comics these are literally a visual medium yeah truly like if you want if you want all the control write a novel like that if that if that's how you view yourself i think you were saying this on uh michael walsh's episode learn to draw (laughs) kind of the other option yeah truly and that and that's me man i've doodled for my entire life but like the reason i'm drawing is because i wanted to make comics and i wanted to make them fairly quickly and I wanted to you know learn and grow and like be able to achieve something on my own and so I started learning how to draw like just do it I think it's probably because I actually have zero experience with it I think it's really difficult to break into comics as just a writer yes even harder I mean it's it's not easy and even if you break in you also didn't break in it's kind of how it is but as as an artist I have a much easier time because I've seen people at conventions with writers like, Oh, did you draw this? And they're like, no, I wrote it. And then they go, cool. And then they walk away, but they go, did you draw this? I say, yes. Like, oh, awesome. They talk about it. They buy it. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know how you could get someone to care about your writing. I just don't know without yeah. the also doing the art. Yeah. No one's going to read a fucking script. Like truly people want to read Like if you're talking editors, people who are going to hire you, whatever, like no one wants to read a script. They want to read a comic. So make a comic like how, whatever you have to do yeah. to do that, make a comic. Um, and again, you know, like I and I, I had said this on the Walsh interview and I truly believe this. Like if you are a talented writer, if you feel like your writing deserves to be read, then you can write a comic that can be drawn in stick figure yeah. like or at least like flat it, like do like help out at least yeah. that stuff goes a long way. Yeah. Letter it, color like, it. whatever. Yeah. It's like, thank you for writing this one page that says they fight. Now I have to do that fight. So. <laughs> And that's not easy. No. Um, all right. So, so we've, we've passed through bitch corner um, and we've <laughs> done our bitching about uh, writers. Uh, <laughs> I like a lot of writers. That's important. I, will... <laughs> I have a deep love for writers. I identify with you. I know exactly the thing that is telling you it's so frustrating that I can't get an artist or I can't afford an artist or whatever. Yeah. I understand the frustration. The answer to that frustration is to fucking draw. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, so let, let's let's talk about Dagger Dagger. Uh, okay. It's it's a book that's sitting right next to me right now, and I I have a deep love and enjoyment for it, and I love that the the renaissance um, of anthologies that that Kickstarter has brought about. Um, tell me where Dagger and Dagger started. So, Dagger. Dagger Did Dagger I just started. say Dagger and Dagger? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dagger Dagger started. Keep it in. I hope. Um, oh, I'll it keep it started. On. So Al, um, I knew of Al's work. We didn't know each other, but we both followed each other, and. I liked his work. I know he's worked with Piao. I really like Piao, right. but um, I, I, I don't know if I'm cool enough for Piao. But I, I asked him uh, if they ever took submissions, or basically it was like, hey, do you, like, how did you end up working with Piao? Right. And uh, it was kind of like, ah, I don't know if you're cool enough for Piao. I was like, well, shit, okay. And he's like, how about we do something else? I was like, all right, that I'll do that. I'm used to self-publishing. Sure. So we we kicked around a bunch of names of artists we know or and or like sure. or just some combo of that and got a got a cool list of 
I think it was 17 people at first or 18 people at first. And we were like, okay. yeah, we'll do everyone do a story between like 10 to 20 pages right. and we'll all just split the money. That's there you go. we're like, sure. It sounds like a, a utopian idea. And everyone was on board. Everyone's like, yeah, I'll do it. So it was, and it was that uh, we set it just, just to pay for the printing mm-hmm. pretty much was our, our just initial goal. Cause we were like, it'll probably do well. Cause it was mostly pro- like, I was, I, I feel like I'm one of the most amateur or was one of the most amateur people in that book. Sure. Cause I've had, I had two publishing credits from heavy metal that most people would go, I didn't know heavy metal was still making issues. And so <laughs> I, I, I knew I love heavy metal. and I was excited, but yeah. And so it was, it was just that. And then we, I remember within the first hour or whatever, I was like, we just, or maybe not the first hour, but first few hours, I was like, we just got funded. Like, we're just like, I'm like, we just got 10 K in the first couple of hours. It felt fascinating. It was, I was, I was at work at my day job uh, and I was just, I didn't, cause it, I love the Kickstarter. doesn't even, you don't even need to refresh it. Right. It just keeps going. I was like, what the hell? I'm supposed to be looking at the work computer, like, like answering emails. I'm like, holy shit what the hell yeah. is going on? So it was, it was just that, like we didn't do that much planning other than just get in touch with a bunch of artists. Say, Hey, do you want to do black and white? You get paid as much as everybody else. Right. You can do whatever page length you want. That's incredible. Was, was there, did you find like, was there any difficulty in managing sort of like deliveries? And like, did you, did you find like, yeah. did you end up with delays and stuff like that? It got delayed because a bunch of people ran into varying degrees of trouble with finishing for the initial deadline. So our initial deadline had been, I think, October 20th. Mm-hmm. And then October 20th creeps up, and I think only half of the artists, or half the creators, because it was pretty much just artist-writer combo, of course. Uh, had finished. So I was like, well, I'm not going to cut half the book. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we were like, okay, what can we do? And we talked with everybody, and it ended up being December, December I think, 1st or 3rd was the the drop dead date that sure. everyone was like, okay, we can guarantee. So we lost two people from that because it was tough for right. them to, to sort it out at the end. But yeah, it was, that was definitely difficult. And then I was like, I need to get these printed because I had the $30,000 from that, that uh, Kickstarter sitting right. on my bank account. I'm like, I do not want the U S government to think I made $30,000 when yeah. I didn't. So I was like, I need to pay for the printing. I need to pay everybody. I need right. to get all this shit out of Just my bank. The money right going. Yeah. I, and so it was, it was a little stressful for that. And I would probably doing another anthology like that, do it closer to the beginning of the year and sure. <laughs> just, just maybe try to figure out that with everybody. And it's, it's definitely a, a learning curve of communicating with people and, and like wrangling everybody. Everybody has different shit. Some people have day jobs some people don't, some people have families, you know, or moves. Sure. So it's, it was 15 people is a lot. <laughs> 15 people is a hell of a lot, man. And I, I am so ex- like, it, it makes me so happy that, uh, that it came out the way it did. Like reading the book, it all looks so awesome and it looks of a piece. Like there's so many different styles and, and just, you know, things at play, but like they all fit together and you know, it all like, it, it all just flows. It all works. And I, I can't really even explain or hammer down why other than just the fact that it all <laughs> I'm works. I'm so glad. <laughs> I think, I think what, what I really liked about it is we just let everybody do their thing. It, we were, we just said, Hey, it's a sci-fi fantasy book. Uh, right. Whatever that means to you is what you, you do. Cause uh, we had a couple people, I think Matt Lisniewski was like, is my story going to fit in this? Does this make sense? I was like, Oh uh, yeah, it's yeah. 
fantastic. Like it, I, you, I have no idea what time period this is in. There's a creature, <laughs> like whatever. It, it it is its own thing. It's perfect. That's fantasy yeah. done. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think Sloane Leung was was also. She's like, is is mine gonna be a fit? And described it to us. I was like, uh, that shit's perfect. Yeah. Uh, it was. We we were just happy to have everybody do their what made them love fantasy and sci-fi in that weird kind of space. Right. So right. I think that shows. And and it was just like the thing I kept saying over and over again was if this wasn't a book I organize, co-organized, I'd be backing it and yelling about it in yeah. a different way. Totally. Which is, Hey, I mean, look, I, you know, I was not in any way a part of it. And I, I was uh, <laughs> uh, yelling about it a bit on, on Twitter and telling people to go back it. Cause I, I really, really enjoy the book. And I think it's we had so, so many people cool. say that. And, it was it was really it was really cool to see like Jeff Lemire actually backed it and and had tweeted about it and just all these people like people that were one a bunch of a bunch of my all time favorite artists were just in the book right and so I love getting to pay my favorite artists that was a lot of fun and give yeah. the we I think we sent we sent fifty comps to everybody which usually anthologies are like you get one copy and that's mm-hmm. your payment and I was like I don't want to do that so it's still I still wanted to pay them more than we were able to but. It was still, everybody knew, everybody knew the setup. It's like, okay, we're splitting this, this money. And it was cool, but it was, it was so exciting seeing just influences and and just people that are way ahead of me in comics backing it or that they're in it. And it was really cool. Now people are like, who the hell is this guy? I'm like, it's just me. (laughs) Hi. Yeah, man. I mean, it's really like, you know, between, between these two books coming in such, you know, sort short succession uh, on Kickstarter between Dagger Dagger and Gardner, it does feel like you've kind of like really uh uh come in and sort of put your stamp on on things and like announced yourself as as a force to be reckoned with we'll see i hope so hope it don't fall off the map <laughs> not at all i'm i'm sure you won't given uh the quality of work and also seemingly uh the 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 dedication and consistency Thank you. um well so tell me tell me about aberrant was this story one that you'd been kicking around before you guys started on the anthology or was it kind of like one that you worked on in response to doing the anthology I had no story planned when we talked about it. And then I had planned this really cool story about a warlock uh, trying to save a dragon. And there was implications of like a past nuclear war and all this stuff. And then I thumbed it out and I was like, this shit, I I was 40 pages into the thumbnails. And I was like, Uh this needs to be a 60 to 80 page novella. And I was like, fuck, because I'm not doing that for this. Right. And so then I decided to go, oh, okay, what if I did how that warlock became a warlock and i've been playing i've been playing a warlock in a dnd game uh with with some comics friends sure for the past like year during that time so i was like oh this is perfect like a warlock makes a bad deal with a terrible patron uh-huh. and then so that was where it so i i kind of went backwards and redesigned the the warlock suit that i had initially planned to be uh-huh. like an older version for the the guy with the the gross jaw and his exposed gums and everything. I, I redesigned it to look like that instead of what it will look like later. And so it was, it was, I I had to make it simpler. I was like, this can be an easy scene compared to like a trying to cram an epic tale into 20 pages. Right. Right. That makes total sense. (laughs) Was this, was this a genre that sort of felt, um, familiar to you or or was it kind of something that like really felt like you were you know sort of stretching your um you know the 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 bounds that you had kind of worked in before uh it was definitely my comfort zone i'd love to say i think fantasy and sci-fi is is where i'm 
most comfortable at. As soon as sure. it's modern, I'm like, oh man, now <laughs> I'd like now I, I got to prove that I can draw cars and, and right. houses and proper perspective and modern things. I'm going to do it eventually, but I'm on sure. my own time. But so it, it wasn't that crazy. And I intentionally to make it more manageable between like running, also running the campaign while drawing it and doing that, right. the Dune artwork, I, I set it just basically in a giant fire. So mm-hmm. it was, it was a little, I intended to make it simpler for me to draw and the release of it black and white. And it's very moody. I mean, truly the, the, <laughs> the fact that it is set against fire makes it uh, really, really strong and palpable. I think <laughs> I, my mom was one of the first people that read it after. And she, she said it was really cute. And I was like, did you read it? I don't know what. To... So that was my first feedback on the story. I was like, this thing feels dark. It feels kind of sad. Yeah, cute. Yeah, I'm glad. She's like, he's so cute. I'm like, there's a lot of trauma on that goblin. I don't know. So, you know, now that you're, I mean, we're, like, you know, Gardner just about to be done. Are you, are you done drawing the story? I, I have to draw the epilogue, which okay. I shouldn't complain because I'm thrilled that we got to add it. But I have to draw that, and then I have to ink about 10 pages. Mm-hmm. And then it's all the artwork's done drawing, and I have about 100 pages to color. Got it. Most of it's flatted. Oh, or yeah. Except, for, yeah, the last chapter is 40 pages. Most of them sit around 20 to 30, or 20, mm-hmm. 24 to 30. And then, so I, the last one just needed a lot more breathing room. Right. So I'm, I'm going to just move right along and see, but it'll Hell be done yeah. Uh, I'm going to make sure it's done in, in September. Like I want to have it going out to people in September. I've got other right, plans right. that I can't, I can't just drag this one out. That makes sense. What, 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 it, like, are you for the thing that you're working on next and you talk about having other plans? Uh, is that going to be another Kickstarter project that you'll be launching? Or are you kind of putting something together in a, in a different realm? I'm going to send some stuff to, to publishers. I don't have, I don't know. I don't have any expectations or I can't really plan on what they right. can do. Sure. So if it works, great. I'll move my timeline around. But I'm planning on diving more into the Rizograph stuff. I bought the printer, so oh, I need yeah. to make myself use it. And yeah, right. and I love making Rizzo books. I haven't done it in a little while. So that was my, my first Kickstarter was a much smaller anthology yeah. of of um with with two friends of mine from around here that was all Rizograph. Right. And make one hundred. And yeah, yeah. And that was my first foray into it because I was like, okay, if this fails, like I won't be that upset because it's this tiny idea. So my next plan is to do that and kind of uh, set myself up as a as a publisher on top of a self-publisher and an artist and all. I just don't want to be a letterer. I'll do everything else in comics, but be a letterer. And I might still be a letterer. But I... I, 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 <laughs> I, I hear that. It's Lettering is difficult, man. I The thing to me... I, I, I do okay with lettering, but the thing to me that I just am always like, oh, I am so bad. I hate doing this every single time is the inking, truly. Like, inking is that <laughs> thing that I'm like, I don't know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a long time, I think. If I look at my old inks, I'm like, oh, why would I make that decision? Right, right. I'm sure in, in five years, I'll feel that way about my current inks to some extent. <laughs> That's I hear just you, a natural progression. Yeah. If you're like, oh, I just did the best shit ever. It's probably not. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, well, t- tell me, you know, as as we uh, wrap up here, I, mm-hmm. I do want to make sure that the, the listeners are are made aware that you actually uh, do 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 you, you do some podcasting yourself um, with uh, with future guest uh, Liana Kangas who will be Future's on in like, what, yeah. two weeks after this. Oh, um, hell yeah. 
uh, tell me, tell me sort of about the the show. What do you guys, what do you guys so, dabble in? So we have a show called Comics Inebriated, which sounds way more drink heavy than it, it is. It, it varies guest to guest. So we, it's sure. Liana and I co-host the show, and we have a different guest on each episode to talk about something they like. Usually pretty comics related or pop culture centric, where it can be uh, talking specifically about a character like Swamp Thing or or about sports manga and things like that. And for the most part, people have a drink or two or four and sure. or a Baja Blast or whatever. So it's, it's for, for us, it was, we made it as a good excuse to chat with people and like cons aren't happening and anything. Right. And, and we both miss the meeting people in comics and like building that positive side of the community. So I think we wanted to have a way that people can come on and talk about not just what they're working on. Right. And I think that was a fun way to do it. I was I was listening to a, a recent episode about sports manga, and it really yeah with Fabian yeah with Fabian, and 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 it truly like I, I love sports comics, and I've been trying to uh, crack this football one for so long, and I like it started getting me really revved up on. Um, I'm like maybe maybe it'd be fun to like try and get like whoever all the comics jocks are out there in the world, see if <laughs> see if we can put together they- some sort of sports anthology. They exist. I I personally don't know who, but I know that they're out there. <laughs> I yeah, I as well I as well know that they do exist and I know <laughs> I've talked to a few, you know, to varying degrees it's and like, thankfully, you know, sports is broad. It's not like they have to be, you know, a football fan or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, you know, fingers crossed. We'll see we'll see what happens. Um well, Matt, before before I ask you the last question we ask on every episode, uh, I want you to let the listeners know where they can find you, what they should be looking out for, all that stuff. Okay. Um, you can find me on Instagram at second at best with a dot in between because a band that hasn't been active since 2014 has the thing as one smooth, clean second at best. So sure. they got that. And then you can find me on Twitter at second at best with an underscore at the end because Twitter doesn't like periods and that same band has the <laughs> username for there too. So <laughs> yep, it's imperfect, but it is what it is. Um, and then uh, the last question that we ask everyone who comes on the show is why do you love comics? I don't know what I would do otherwise. I don't, that's it. That's, it's about, I, they're just cool as shit. I don't know. <laughs> Such a nebulous answer. They're cool as hell. Matt, thanks for joining the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. And thank you once again to Matt Emmons for joining the show. Uh, you can find Matt on Twitter at second at best underscore or on Instagram at second dot at dot best. Or you just go check out his website, second at best dot com. Uh, and thank you to Sean Rosner for the music that uh, you hear throughout the show. You can follow Sean on Instagram at Sean the Rosner. Thanks to Garm for sponsoring the show. Garmcompany.com slash TMBC for all your digital art needs. And thank you all. For listening i really really appreciate it it's again i can't express it enough but i will continue to tell you every week it's so wonderful uh, uh knowing that people are listening getting you know messages on twitter or instagram or what have you from people saying they're enjoying the show i really really appreciate it i also appreciate reviews on itunes and and you know whatever other platforms are out there um if you're listening to the show if you've been loving 
the episodes that have been coming out, if you're listening every week, I would really appreciate it if you would throw a little review over there on the old iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever they prefer to be known as these days. Um, It's really, really helpful. It lets people know that people are engaging with the show. It also helps bump the show up on various charts so that it becomes more discoverable for people like you and me who want to learn more about making comics. Um, you know, so, so keep that in mind. And again, I would really appreciate reviews, you know, if, if you're listening and loving it and, uh, you know, if, if, if this is bringing some form of joy or helpfulness to your life, then again, thanks for listening and thanks for, for participating and thanks for letting me know. Um, but also, you know, those reviews never hurt. And, and Hey, to all of you who have tweeted about the show or like, you know, shared on Instagram about the show amazing i cannot truly like nothing helps more than word of mouth like just directly telling the people who know you that uh this is worth checking out is really really awesome um i definitely saw a few people you know tweet about really enjoying the christine larson episode um and and i've also seen it with you know the michael walsh episode and steve fox and uh starks and schweitzer and and barnes and i mean like really every week it seems like people are you know people who i haven't engaged with before or talked to before are like saying something about the show um which is just very nice and lovely and again it's a a warm blanket for those cold cold nights um which we don't have much more of anymore now that we're crossing over into may at least here if you're if you're on my end of the world uh, sorry to all of those on the other end of the world who are now uh, entering into the cold months hopefully i can return the favor you kept me warm with all the love and appreciation and i can keep you warm with uh lovely little podcast content um maybe the exchange is a little uneven there who's to say anyway uh with that all out of the way uh thanks for listening and uh i don't know get back to work that might be cool.com you never know <laughs>